0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit RealityHonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. So stoked that you're here and uh, joining us for House Church here at Reality Honolulu. Um, As we kind of continue to do house church here, I want to encourage you to continue to plug in to the the, the rhythms that we have here now, uh, or currently here at Reality Honolulu, whether that's house church, or Tuesday night prayer meetings, or ways in which we can get involved with serving our community together. Uh, I want to encourage you to plug in, get engaged. Um, We don't really know how long this will be for and that kind of leads me into my next little announcement in that We are in a holding pattern uh, a bit a waiting time of if we can get back in Oliolani uh, Elementary school to meet in like we used to and we love doing or not Uh, We're waiting on the DOE's final word to see if they are going to allow use of facilities permits or not but all that said uh, from the very beginning your guys' safety, the com- the safety of the community is our primary concern. And in light of all that's going on with uncertainty, we believe this house church season is from the Lord and that we should settle in until that changes. Um, and we're excited. We believe that God is going to do some Uh, Is doing and will continue to meet us and care for us and provide for us uh, as we meet in homes together um, for the foreseeable future until that changes but as always on Sundays when we gather uh, even digitally we spend a majority of our time in the Word of God and the reason why we do that we believe that God speaks through His Word directly to us And if you've been with us, you know that we have been in the incredible, wonderful, amazing Book of Acts since January, since this COVID season that changed so much. We've been going verse by verse, straight through, and uh, we're only just in chapter 8 of of, uh, twenty-eight chapter book, and so we've been going slow, but uh, man, it's been such an extremely fruitful season, specifically because we get, have been getting a window into the formation of the early church. What did they do? What were they like? How did God meet them? How did God use them? What were their normal rhythms and practices? And what we've been able to do is use the book of Acts, And how God met the church then as a set of blueprints for us to model ourselves after. And today, like always, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, uh, specifically into this window, into the story of uh, the life and ministry of Philip. And as the Lord continues to use him to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the outer regions of Jerusalem, into Samaria and Judea, as well as what we're going to see today is literally the beginning of the gospel going forth to the ends of the earth. And so, as always, I would love for you to read alongside me. Uh, So grab your Bible. We're going to be reading the remainder of chapter 8 of Acts. Acts 8, 26 through 40 is our text today. I'm reading out of the NIV translation as always. Uh, Follow along with me. This is the word of the Lord. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandak, which which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that Eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, Who can speak of his descendants from his life, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Aztus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for who we're watching this right now with and doing church together. And God, I pray that you would allow us to be fully open to what you have, to be, to be free of distractions. God, we want to hear from you. And we ask that, e- that we too, like Philip, would be filled and led by the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses of your good news to the world we pray that our lives would bear much fruit in the furthering of your kingdom here on earth in jesus name amen Uh, if you know anything about me i didn't grow up in the church like in a christian household i got saved in middle school and got luckily and thankfully, plugged into my youth group and was really involved in middle school and high school. And uh, in that, one of the things in the formative years like of my faith that I learned about and understood about what it was to be a Christian, a large part of following Jesus, I learned, uh, as I followed him into the world, was to pass on the very same truth that changed and saved my life, uh, I was to share that same truth with others around me, both near and far. And when I look back, I really appreciate the emphasis and the equipping that I got in the area of what we would call evangelism. Again, evangelism being simply sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with a lost and dark world that is in desperate need of him. And again, evangelism is is a broad term. But sharing your faith could be in a large outreach setting, uh, from the stage, from the pulpit. It also can be sharing your testimony. It can be um, talking to someone about Jesus and your faith over time, like a family member or a friend or a co-worker. And the reason why I bring this up is that because Acts 8 shines light on how Philip, both in large groups and in individuals in different ways, he shared the good news of Jesus with others. So much so that he actually got the nickname, and he has the nickname, Philip the Evangelist. In the last few weeks, we've seen the Holy Spirit use him in large settings, the crowds of people in Samaria, And today, we see this one-on-one setting where Philip tells this man in this chariot about Jesus. In our text this morning, there's uh, really three things I want to highlight for us to glean and learn from. Number one, it's the the how. Number two, it's the who. And number three, it's the effect of the sharing. Um, The how, how Philip goes about it. The who, who he does interact with and the effect of that interaction and the, the, um, the effect it has in the world. Number one, the how. When we read this text this morning, what is of utmost importance that I do not want us to miss and pass over or not see is that the entirety of what happens here is orchestrated and led by God. Right, It starts in the very first verse, in verse 26, when the angel of the Lord said, Philip, go down that road. And then when Philip goes down that road, verse 29, it says the Spirit said, hang near that chariot. There's a chariot on that road, the road I just told you about. Spirit of God says, hang near that chariot. And then ultimately in verse four, uh, 39, we see that the Holy Spirit is, the, is actually the one that miraculously takes Philip away. But the point here being, the narrative, is that this wasn't Philip's plan. This wasn't Philip's strategy or his intuition or his intellect. There was no reason for him to travel down that road south from Jerusalem towards Gaza. This was no coincidence that this happened. All that happens in these 14 verses is done by God's leading. This is a perfect example of what we would call spirit-led evangelism. And my heart as your pastor is that we, as a church family, as a people of God would cultivate a lifestyle that in the same way is so near to God that we're aware of the spirits leading in our life. Like That's a thing for us too. God stirs, He calls, He leads just like He did here in Acts 8 with Philip. And my prayer for us as a people of God is that we would be a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led people as well. That we too would be led into sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. What's important is that Philip, you see, could have easily just not done this, right? God led him. God said these things to him, but he could have easily dismissed it all. He could have justified it. He could have rationalized it. Uh, He could have rationalized his way out of it, right? Because this is pretty strange. God, why would you lead me this way? What's down that road? Why am I going this way? And often, if we're honest, we have this same type of dialogue, this internal discussion with God, right? When we do sense God calling us, leading us, stirring us, whatever word you want to put in there, when the Spirit prompts us to do something in our life, we feel like God is calling us or leading us in a certain way, we also... Can struggle with these questions and if we're not careful right we will not only dismiss the spirit's leading but but if we're not careful we're going to get so caught up with these logical questions that why would God do this that we're going to miss what God is actually doing And man, in an age where we we like to be so rational and logical and think through things and see it to believe it, this is a real struggle to say, okay, God told me I'm just going to do it and I'm not going to question it. And there's a lot that we can learn from the story here in Acts today. And, And to be honest, Philip could have just outright disobeyed God's leading. And we've all done this in a certain way. And we really felt like God wanted us to tell that person and we just were like, I just can't. And God has grace and forgiveness and um, God, God works and he uses those times when we, when we kind of disobey. He uses those for growth and, and hopefully we learn from those experiences. But again, my prayer and exhortation for us hearing this this morning is that regardless of how strange or opposite Or weird, it may be. Or it doesn't make sense that God would call me that. Why would God do that? Or sometimes it goes, oh, God called me, but it's going to cost me. Regardless of how strange or weird or how much it costs, my prayer and exhortation for us is that we would be a people that follow God and obey God and live for God and that we're spirit-filled and we're spirit-led. We're not directed by our own plans, by our own dreams, by our own five, ten year plan or or our expectations of, oh, I'm this age now, so I should. And then you just say what your life should look like. Oh, well, that's not rational. Oh, that's not logical. That's not wise. God doesn't have, doesn't look through those same filters. I pray that we would just be a radically obedient, spirit-filled people, that God has us do some really, pretty radical things because we said yes to Him. Number two, second point. Number one was the how. How we're being led. Number two is the who. What is so incredible about this story, and I love the Bible, and I love how intricate and the details and um, how amazing it is, is, is how incredible it is who the Lord led Philip to talk to. See, we we hear and we see in our text this morning that this was an Ethiopian man. And that word there, Ethiopian, was a Greek term often applied to the Cush people. And this was a well-known term to the Hebrews and often mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. And even though he's referred to as an Ethiopian, the kingdom of Cush is actually thought to be more like modern-day Sudan, just south of Egypt, but this Ethiopian servant, what it seems like he's doing is coming from Jerusalem from worshiping, and it would, uh, the, it most likely would have been that he was a convert to Judaism at some time in his life, and he was coming back from a Jewish celebration and feast in Jerusalem. And so he was headed back through Israel using this southern road uh, down through the Sinai Peninsula and Egypt, continuing south into Africa. But he was no ordinary man. It says that he was the treasurer for Kandak, or Latinized, it would be Candace. Some of your Bibles would say that. And Candace was the name given to all the female rulers of the Kingdom of Cush. And most likely, this man in this chariot was the servant to one of the most powerful women, even the heir to the throne, in the Kingdom of Cush. This was a very influential and powerful man. And what's, I love how the story continues, right? Because. Um, Philip, he goes down this road, he sees this chariot, probably like a covered carriage, and what this man is doing is he's reading from a scroll, and this scroll has the book of Isaiah on it. And he happens to be reading Isaiah 53, and what was customary back then was to read aloud from a scroll, specifically because of the grammar and punctuation. And so, uh, the Spirit of God says, "Philip, there's a the chariot. Go near the chariot." And so, again, I don't know how fast this chariot or this covered, you know, carriage is going. But Philip goes near to it. He hears the Book of Isaiah read. And Philip goes, and I don't know if they're running, if they're walking. He goes to the man in the chariot, this Ethiopian servant. He says, "Do you know what that means?" And the man in the chariot says, no, how would I know unless someone tells me? And Philip, it says here, begins to share the good news of Jesus with him and tells him that that very text that you're reading is prophesying about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. I know a thing or two about him. And so Philip, he shares the gospel. This this man gets saved. And what happens is, is they see a body of water, right? And... You know, Philip, um, this man says, hey, stop the chariot. What's stopping us from getting baptized there? I mean, isn't this radical? And so Philip baptizes this new believer, this Ethiopian man. And what happens when they come out of the water? It even gets better. What happens? It says the spirit of the Lord just snatches Philip away and he's gone and they never see each other again. What really happened there? I have no idea, but incredible story. And we, we know that this doesn't always happen this way, right? It's, this is not the, the typical evangelism story. But look at that. God led Philip to this man. And not only that, God had prepared this Ethiopian's heart and he was ready to re- receive. And again, we know this isn't always the case. That sometimes evangelism and people's hearts takes a long time for them to come to know the Lord. Sometimes it's this easy. Sometimes it's miraculous. Sometimes it's immediate, but a lot of times it's not. But again, um, I think there's so much that we can get out of this. But a salient lesson here is that not only was Philip led and obedient by the Spirit, to even get in this circumstance. But also, the story reminds us that we can trust that God has already prepared hearts before we even speak to them. Or, in general, God has prepared, already prepared things for us that we might just walk into them. In this case, it was evangelism. right? In this case, hearts were already ready to receive. But again, when I, when I see this, when I hear this, I'm reminded of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus that says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we as Christians are God's worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would just walk in them. And, <coughs> excuse me, Philip here is a walking testimony of that. And our lives are to be that way too. Guys, it wasn't that Philip had this crazy intellect or he had the right words. Philip just was faithful and obedient to share and trust that God was gonna do the rest. And guys, each of us have unique and different people that we know that don't know Jesus. And each of us have unique access to them that no other Christian has. Like each of us have a significant role in reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And yes, I said everyone, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a Bible scholar and go to, you know, seminary and I've only been a Christian this long, so how could I do that? Oh, I'm not articulate with our words. Oh, I'm introverted. Like we give all these excuses, right, why God can't use us. And I want us to remember that each of us have a unique place. And God has placed us in a unique family, at a unique job, in a unique neighborhood, with unique friends. God desires to use all of us in that unique context, to share the good news of Jesus Christ to those around you. And like Philip, God desires to use us in amazing ways to reach them. And God is already preparing hearts. I believe that. And all we need to do is just be faithful and obedient to walk in the Spirit and tell about the good news of Jesus Christ, and God's going to do the rest. Like It's not up to us to save people. I I hope you know that. It's not up, us to up, to up, it's not us to, it's not up to us, you got that? To save people, to like be creative and resourceful and witty. And again, God uses all that, but God is the ultimate one that changes heart and softens heart and saves. But it is us to, uh, it's, it's our honor and our privilege and we get the incredible blessing to be used by God to do it. And Lastly, point three, the effect. See, Philip didn't go after this man because he knew he was influential and he knew where he came from. Like Philip didn't go, okay, that guy, that, that guy, he's influential, he's important, he's from Africa down there. Okay, he could have this incredible um, you know, effect on the world. I'm going to go down that road and save him. He didn't think any of that. This was all God's doing. But if you remember what Jesus told his disciples not long before this, in Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commissioned his followers to take the good news first to Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And if you, if, if you caught this, God has single-handedly, used Philip to have the gospel reach Samaria. And now with this Ethiopian, scholars believe that he was the first Christian on that set foot on the African continent and he was the single person that would be the catalyst of Christianity to reach all of Africa. Like this is the start of the gospel going forth to the whole world. Do you see that? This is a blow your mind moment here in Acts chapter 8 because the gospel is going forth from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and now to the ends of the earth. That said, you just have no idea what God will do when we're willing and available and obedient to be used by him. You have no idea And for Philip, right, it really didn't take much for all this to happen. But it did hinge on him, right? Philip did have to say, yeah, here I am, Lord, I'll do it. He had to raise his hand and say, God, I'll serve you. He had to go down that road. He had to approach that chariot and he had to open his mouth and talk about Jesus. Just, it was just baby steps. It was little things that he had to say yes to, but it was a series of obedience that bore incredible fruit. And again, all of these times that God had led him and stirred him and prompted him, all, they all had elements and questions of, what if? Well, God, I'm scared. I don't want to. Are you sure? But the key... If you're taking notes, take these notes. If you're watching this live, come back later and and rewind this. If you're watching this after, pause it. It was because of Philip's availability. These are important. His willingness and his obedience. But again, it started with faithfulness in the little things. Do you remember where we hear about Philip first? It's Acts chapter 6. It's the beginning of Acts 6. It's when the church was serving the community. They were serving food to the community and there was unfairness going on. And the apostles stepped in and they raised up a group of people to help serve food so that there could be equality in the service to the people there. Philip was just, said, yeah, I'll serve tables. Yeah, I'll serve people it wasn't this big thing but over the course of little obedience it led to the gospel going forth into the whole world do you see that there was no limit to what god could do because of his availability his willingness and his obedience church i hope we don't miss that i hope we didn't tune out right now because this applies to us as well God has invited us into and He desires to use us in seeing others hear about the life-changing and life-saving good news of Jesus Christ. Guys, let's be praying and attentive about who in our own life, right? In our unique sphere of influence, God, who are you leading me to to share with? Who in my home? what neighbor, what coworker? what others in my life. Guys, the world needs Jesus more than ever before. And the brokenness and the pain, disease, death, unknown, fear, you name it. The world needs Jesus more than ever right now. And I'm reminded, and I'll leave you with what Paul says to the Romans in his letter to the Romans in the book of Romans, he tells the Christians there in Rome in relation to others coming to know Jesus. He told them this, and this is also for us too. Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, this is for us. God wants to use us to share the life-changing and life-saving good news that we all are Christians because of. The very thing that set us free. God wants to use us to take that truth and to give it to others to share and to demonstrate the gospel to those around us. Church, let's press in. Let's be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And when God says go, let's say, here I am. When God says go that way, say, yes, God. Let's be a church that says yes to God, despite the costs and despite the logic. If God says go, let's go. Amen? Amen, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. And as we enter into this time of worship, as we take communion in our homes, as we exalt your name, we pray that your presence would be in our midst. We give you all the credit and you all the glory. And we say, God, do all these things in our life and in our church for your glory. God, we do pray that every tongue, tribe, and nation would come to know you. God, thank you that you invite us into it. Would you, Holy Spirit, anoint us, empower us, give us the words to speak, give us the boldness, give us the courage to just share, to tell of your goodness to others. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.